mean to be out on Earth? Join two friends as we broaden our small town perspectives and explore the enchanting, hilarious, and unusual interconnections between society, ecology, and queerness. My name is PK and I use they, it pronouns. My name is Cricket and I use she, they pronouns. And today we're talking about theater. 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 The theater. How lovely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Hi, everyone. Um, So... There's something different here, right? We have <laughs> Ashton is not here. And I had to fill the room with both a cat and PK to um to fill the void of their amazing, beautiful personality. <laughs> um uh Ashton got into a car accident and is um, you know, taking a little break um with the concussion. <laughs> so concussion. <laughs> the concussy. Uh, maybe I don't know I'm trying to think of a different <laughs> I don't know it's really not that funny um but it is that's what's happening uh and we're gonna try our best to you know give them the time to, they need to heal mm-hmm. and recover but in the meantime I have PK here my my beautiful sibling <laughs> and my cat Banjo um I bribed him here with a heat pad he's eating it up right now he's really you're loving on patreon it. yeah he has like kind of crazy eyes too he's like in a trance yeah and if he leaves i'm gonna go and get my other cat to try to bribe him as well mm-hmm. um but yeah here we are and i just before we do anything else i just wanted to say i set up a coffee kofi i don't know how you Ko-fi? say it Ko-fi Who knows? <laughs> uh, account um, that you can access through the description. There's a link in the description. And basically, that's just a way that if you if you want to send Ashton a little gift, a little a little prezi, um, you can send them a few dollars and I'll deliver them some coffee. I'll deliver them some treats, maybe some medicine. I don't know. Whatever you guys think helps uh, heal a concussion. A concussion. We will, <laughs> we will work on it. But um, welcome to everyone who's new. And yeah, I want to let's introduce PK. Um, <laughs> so yeah, PK is my sibling. We Ooh. came out of the same womb. Oh my God. That's crazy. <laughs> literally put into this world connected. Literally, <laughs> literally. Well, tell us about yourself. I am currently uh, in undergrad right now. I'm a junior mm-hmm. in college. Um, that's very exciting. Um, I'm a nerd for many things. I am a dramaturgy student, so that means I'm in the school of theater. Whoa. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Sounds dramatic. So, it's very dramatic. <laughs> and it's also just a, a lot of paperwork as, as oh, well. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Did not expect that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a little about me. I love Star Wars. I love The Hobbit. Um, mm-hmm. I love the sky and the stars and the moon. Love. Uh, we love the sky and the stars here on the pod. I love her, the moon. <laughs> I literally look at her every night. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I was so excited to have PK on the pod because, um, first of all, thank you so much for, like, doing this quickly. Uh, we are, we really wanted to put out an episode for you guys this week, and um, thankfully, PK has really stepped up to the plate i'm Put so me happy coach. but Put me and coach don't don't be don't be confused this is going to be a banger of an episode okay this is going to be awesome um pk knows so much about queer history um drama um we're, we're gonna get into it we're talking about kind of like 
eco-dramaturgy and the queer queer history of drama <laughs> and theater and it's gonna be fucking awesome so it's kind yeah. of insight for you guys into one of your co-hosts because as like siblings we've never like discussed the crossover of our interests it's always been like ah pk's the theater one <laughs> and yeah Kirk knows a lot about science <laughs> and the environment and like Absolutely. activism um so it's insight. It's it's tea. It's like the, the episode where you get to like see the character go home and yeah. like, learn about them. <laughs> it's our joint sleigh. Um, and I'm sure, you know, if if this was not the circumstances, I still wanted to have you on the pod at some point. Nice. Um, because you just understand the intersections of all of these worlds way more than I do. And I'm just really excited to talk about it. I'm flattered. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we'll so, see. Um, yeah. Let me thank our patrons. Hey, or welcome our patrons. Hey, patrons. Hey, patrons. How are you doing? Um, let's see. Young Mustard, OK Dad, Stephanie Joseph, Wyatt Armstrong, Shell Wagner, Lena Sue, Mary Smiley Face, Maggie oh. Ahern, Clembera. Hey, Clembera. Carly oh. Langlois, Kelly and Jackie Adams, and Shelly DeVost. Hello and welcome. Please send me an email if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, but I love you. And welcome to the show. Those um, are great names. I know. Those are really good names. Aren't they all so lovely. Shelly Duvos. I know. I'm like Duvos. <laughs> like Maybe it's Duvos. Duvost. I don't know. Shelly Duvos. Let me know, Shelly. Let me know. <laughs> we love <laughs> you. want to make sure we say your name right. Um, so yeah, I heard that you had something that you wanted me to to help to help us warm up. Yes, um, some of them we may need to turn away from the mic unless the the <laughs> listeners okay. want some deep throat ASMR. Not okay. deep throat. Oh my god, um, some deep throat. <laughs> <laughs> no, five minutes in. Oh god. Um, but I thought it would be good to get some theater warm ups. Um, listeners can Period. do them as well if you want. But okay, yeah, it's if you're in your to, car, yeah, take care of your mind, body, and soul. It won't be like full body anything because we are seated <laughs> yeah um but i think we could start with just uh it's called like lion face baby face so we're going okay. to look at each other and then um we're gonna make a tiny little face and then go Wah! okay it's just in my face i don't have to do like i do the hands because it makes me feel like lion and baby okay but you don't have to okay. and it stretches all your face muscles so you so you go that feels sure good it's really good <laughs> i'm sure the people who are not listening on patreon are like what the fuck is going on <laughs> scrunch like, up your like, face <laughs> and then make it go wild it's great yeah it does feel really good mm -hmm. okay yeah i feel refreshed yeah we can do more yeah let's but... do one more okay one more and you do these like often <laughs> I do them before any performance. Okay. I have one and it's like sucking the peanut butter off of your gums. Oh, okay. Um, That might sound bad though. No, let's do it. Okay. So you just ate a peanut butter sandwich. Rub the corners of where your jaw meets your mouth. There's okay. a lot of tension that's there oh, a lot yeah. of the time. I have TMJ, so for sure. Yeah. <laughs> TMJ girlies love the peanut butter <laughs> exercise. <laughs> Um, shout out to all the TMJ girlies. <laughs> shout out orthodontics. Um, and then when that feels relaxed, mm -hmm. you're going to take your tongue and it's like you have peanut butter stuck everywhere. So you're going to go from corner to corner. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. 
Yum. I can and it taste really it. stretches it out. I can taste the nuttiness of my gums. <laughs> it's a crazy sentence. <laughs> oh my god. The the inherent nuttiness of the gums. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those those are just a few helps with diction. Helps with okay. Yeah, with we pain. might we might start doing this. It's really when Ashton nice. comes back. You know, you guys use your voices so much. We do, and yeah. you know, it's good to take care of them. Yeah, yeah. Sustainability. <laughs> there we anyway, go. Anyway, sustainability practice. <laughs> yes. All right. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, well, I think everyone wants to know. Everyone. All um, the girlies are dying. All the girlies want to know, what is dramaturgy? Um, so if you're a dramaturg, this is the thing that you get asked all the time because right. it is like, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, do we curse on this podcast? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You I'll still be careful to, about it. But... <laughs> Mandatory. <laughs> Mandatory cursing. I'm not going to make you curse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but dramaturgy has a lot of, there are as many definitions of dramaturgy as there are like dramaturgs in the world. And there's okay. only like 100 or 200 dramaturgs in the US, I believe right now. Yeah. It is the, like one of the fastest growing careers in the entertainment industry. Really? Currently. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. But you're a def- <laughs> hopefully you're in the trend. Um, but a definition that I've heard lately that I like is like the doula of a production like you're not giving birth but you were like midwifing it along and make sure (laughs) that everything like goes right um I like to think of myself as an editor for theater but oh my god Banjo almost just thrust himself off off of the table really passionate about theater yeah and I knew this about him (laughs) you were like he was like doula Doula. oh my god (laughs) blew me away midwifery (laughs) (laughs) um we have a lot of different names. So on like animated shows, you'll see like continuity coordinator or um, in a lot of like new experimental productions, you'll see cultural competency coordinator. Okay. Yeah. Um, we are basically one eyes of the director in theater. Uh, if they need help, we are there. Two, 
we're research division. So if we have, if you have questions about anything, if Chris Evans gets the role of Captain America, mm-hmm. he does not have time to go read all the comics from seventy okay. years. He has yeah. to work out. He has to go right. to press. So they hire someone with dramaturgical training to go read it okay. and give him the info. And then we it's are like also- staffers in Washington. How the politicians don't actually know oh anything, God. and it's just the staffers that like educates them on everything. My theater staffer. You are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Um, But that also makes sense because we're also um, community outreach. So dramaturgs Mm. try to engage with the community, engage with the content, and make sure that everything happens equitably in a theatrical production, TV, movies, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. I do feel like that's the best explanation I've gotten. I mostly tell people that you're like a a theater historian you're a contextualizer you help people understand like why whatever production you're working on is important and how it connects it to like daily life and like these daily struggles that we're going through and I feel like that's that's what we're going to talk about today um the way that theater kind of like is at an intersection with both ecology and climate justice and then also um queerness and like affirming your identity and your gender identity so i know (laughs) so let's get into it so i wanted to ask you like we're gonna start with ecology because it's it's because ecology because ecology i mean ecology is just so sexy how could you not start um so i wanted to ask you like what are some performances that made you think more about like ecosystems climate change the environment or yeah like what are some that come to mind because I have a couple but like I want you to start like specifically like theater performances or could yeah. it be like plays and texts and oh it, anything that okay. you think falls under <laughs> that umbrella um I mean not to start with a piece of theoretical text because I don't know <laughs> if that's what the girlies want oh totally um, yeah but there's this my mentor learned from a dramaturgical genius um, at Yale named Eleanor Fuchs. Hey, um, Eleanor. Hey, Eleanor. I, I don't know it. if, like, she's still around, but if she is, like, I am such a big fan. Um, but she coined, wrote this piece of theor- theory for analyzing um, plays and artistic works called Visit to a Small Planet, um, wherein if you take a play, you're not even focusing on the characters yet. Mm. The people don't even exist. You're focusing on the climate. You're focusing on the societal mm. world. Okay. You're focusing on um, the music, the rhythm that inherits the world. You're building the lore. Yeah. So before you even get into the room or start memorizing lines, you're like, how is this environment built? Mm-hmm. And what is the environment telling us about the story, about the meaning, about the characters? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um because if we go just straight from a human-centered, from like a people-centered thing, um, the world doesn't feel as holistic. It's not yeah. alive. We're right. not inhabiting it. So that reminds me a lot of that. There's a play called Marcus and the Secret of Sweet. Mm-hmm. I think maybe a movie that won the Oscar, Moonlight? Oh, okay. That, did that win the Oscar? Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. That was based on Marcus and the Secret okay, of Sweet. Okay, okay. Um, but his worlds, there's like specifically in that play themes of water that are everywhere and how water um, it like embodies sexuality and like mm. not just sexuality, but grief, sadness, emotions, the way it overwhelms us, the way it revives us. Yeah. Um, so love water. in that way, 
forget to drink her though i do forget to dehydrated i love her so much but i forget to invite her everywhere with me (laughs) dude i have no water with me right now which is super unhinged you have like three drinks over there i (laughs) I might have to borrow some later i always have five (laughs) drinks with me you need one for caffeine well maybe two for caffeine different types of caffeine yeah and then hydration and then fun like you need like okay. four types totally at all times yeah That's and a little need. snacky and a little snacky and a little treat <laughs> um and comfy pants yeah. and lip gloss at all times um but yeah that's cool. that's a play that i think just in the way that it interacts with like the environment around it yeah it's like poetry like the the format is the meaning right and the meaning is the format right love yeah well i have some very um untheoretical (laughs) observations please go um well the the first one that i oh i i haven't seen a lot of theater i haven't read a lot of texts um mostly just things that i've seen that your school has put on (laughs) love it um, you're so supportive (laughs) you're so supportive i uh recently well i know that like radium girls is one that's like most people know what that is i guess and that's one that i saw so depressing but so good (laughs) like so good good. (laughs) and ultimately an environmental justice story Mm -hmm. about how just like people get taken advantage of in labor capacities and whatever um and so but i also think that i observed it as like i'm so uncomfortable here and this story is so uncomfortable but like because of the format of theater I am here and I am watching this and I am forced to endure this narrative that is teaching me so much and like I think that's so powerful and um if like if that was like a tv show I probably would have turned it off because I would have been like this This is is depressing so sad yeah but but you paid you paid you 15 bucks yeah and if you stand up everyone's gonna look at you like you're literally like the worst person alive and if you leave like I love the pressure of it all. Like, you got to keep me here, you know? Like, you got to sit here and watch. So, yeah, I think um, that's a good example. Another example that's a lot less fun or a lot more fun is Shrek the Musical. <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> to this day, that's, like, my favorite, like, theater production I have ever seen. I loved... It's so good. I loved Shrek. The and little they changed Duloc the moment. Oh, they have? Yeah. Was it problematic? I mean, yeah, but, you know... I think about all the time, all the time, whenever we... I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. How old were we? We were like, I was, it was my birthday. We went for my birthday, right? It must have been you like couldn't my have been more than 12th like 12. birthday. Yeah. Okay. So we went to go see the Shrek <laughs> musical from my birthday at the Civic Center in OKC. If you know, you know. And we were driving up and we were like looking for parking and outside of the Civic Center is the actor that played Donkey. But this butt's still on, like the bottom yeah, he, half. He had his ears on. I, do you remember that? He had his like little donkey ears on and he, he was standing outside of the Civic Center just pulling on a cig. I mean, he was just like on that cig. And, and, and that just, I just remember being like, oh my God, that's donkey. And he's outside and he's smoking a cig and it's honestly iconic. And that <laughs> defined my gender. <laughs> and that's who I am today. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Core memory for me, for sure. Literally the social world. Um, um, but yeah, Shrek, I, I think, um, you know, Another environmental justice story, you know, pushing out all the, making him live in a swamp. I mean, he loves it, but like they're also taking it away from him, right? And they force everyone else 
they, yeah. they like other everyone else. Oh, yeah. It's a colonization story. It is. Yeah. And it's also a story of, like, beauty standard. It's so good. It's a good story. It's a good story. It's a good story. Um, that's about as deep as I'll probably go into Shrek because I just don't have that much Love experience Shrek. with theater. But um, that I think that was probably my first, like, really impactful theater experience, though. I That was I the first it. time I was like, this is fun. And it I'm laughing. Fun. And I'm not bored. Yeah. We talked about this before where if I see a play, I am there the entire time. Yeah. I am fully forgetting that I exist and I am inside the story. Right. Um, but you said it's not like that for you. No, not really. I don't <laughs> think so. I think <laughs> I'm just crazy. like – it feels like I'm watching a TV show. Wow. And like if I need to pee, I'm like I got to get up and go pee. But you're like if I pee, I'm going to be peeing during this performance. Like I'm going <laughs> to – I don't like feel it. it. Like I don't feel oh, okay. the need. It's my an body, out of body experience for you. It's like, yeah, it's spiritual <laughs> for me in the way that, like, you know, people congregating to live together, to believe in something together. That's that's what it is for me. Oh, yeah, that's gorgeous. Not to be like that person who's like theater is my religion. Like not to be, <laughs> but it them. is though. It kind of it's is. a cult. It kind and, of is. And we'll get into it. But <laughs> dramaturgy is my theology degree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We all need one. We all need one. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I found some really awesome stuff about, like, the intersections between ecology and theater, um, climate justice and theater. So I'm going to just kind of, like, go through that. I think I wrote most of it in my thing. Banjo. Can't wait to learn. Banjo is so interested right now. I know. In the paper. I'm so glad that he's here. Le faux de papier. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to ask you first, like, if we're going to be exploring, like, the intersections between eco-criticism and climate justice and mm -hmm. theater, yeah. um, like, from your perspective, like, what's the role of theater in social change? <laughs> you kind of already talked about it a little bit, but, like, just generally. Like, if you could give, like, a two-sentence... You know. Two sentence. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this, like, quote. I think it's Augusta Boal. It might be Bertolt Brecht, who is another theater maker. He wasn't great to women, but he popularized epic theater, mm -hmm. which is, like, a revolutionary theater. And it was, like, theater is not a mirror of reality. It is a hammer of which to change it. Okay, quotes. Not at all. I have the, I have the actual quote. Um, but <laughs> I think of it like that. Um, bullet point one, theater is sort of how we practice the world we want or the mm. values we want. And it's also the science of like practicing different perspectives. Mm -hmm. It's the science of knowing other people's perspectives or trying to see them. That's yeah. literally what actors do. That's what directors do. Um, so it's both of those things. It's, it's like yeah. empathy. Yeah. Like systematic empathy. It's the science of training empathy and changing your perspective and then putting it like bodily into practice. Yeah. I think I think that's what Lovely. I can do in two sentences. Oh my god. Literally um, the best intro I could ever ask for. Please. That's perfect. <laughs> that's my thesis. I wanna start with like someone who uh posited that like we need more ecological like mm -hmm. discourse in theater and so we have Anna Chattery who posited in 1994 which was a long time ago yeah um that theater has like humanist origins that are mm -hmm. anti-ecological 
and that theater is like a tradition that defines drama as conflict between and about human beings. And so that's in contrast to like, I guess, including more non-human actors. Is that how you would interpret that? Or like, like, how is theater something that centers humans? And is that a good thing? Well, you know, I think maybe some of the context perhaps is there's also like a reckoning going on between dramaturgs. The girls are fighting in yeah. the dramaturgy Good, community. They should be fighting. They're always fighting. Everyone's they are fighting. so catty in the dramaturgy <laughs> community. But about the way that we compile and like create anthologies and theater history mm-hmm. because like all of our world theater history books always start with, you guessed it, ancient Greece. Mm, um, right. All of that stuff. Meanwhile, it was fully going on like other places. Um, and the way that we define theater, like people will say, you know, it has to be non-religious. But then we look at the Greeks, they put on City Dionysia, Dionysia um, every, every year where they stopped all wars and every country came together to put on theater and to drink. Ooh, yeah. a little drama Olympics. It was literally amazing. They had play contests because it was That seen sounds as, like yeah. Eurovision song contest. It literally it literally was. I just <laughs> came to that conclusion. People, all humans Yo, do is recreate Eurovision. I fucking love Eurovision. <laughs> One thing about me is I'm going to watch Eurovision. I, I love that shit. It's like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> it's my dream to go and observe Eurovision live. I, I mean, would be obsessed with that. And it's like important to, I feel like it is a, a part of like, dem- not democracy, but the way that we interact with each other and like forge peace yeah, <laughs> between countries sure. art is that yeah and city dionysia was like religious like i think when the romans started doing it if you messed up like a line mm-hmm. they would start the festival again because it was oh. so important to Damn. please the gods um Good where was them. i going with this oh my god theater history yeah. people usually start it with greek and then um when american realism happens which is just like a bunch of old white men are like what if we saw people in the middle class as they were and they yeah. were sad but i think that's where a lot of our current definitions <clears throat> of theater come from is like the chekhov stanislavski right. they created like american realism which okay. is humans fighting and being sad okay okay um, that's really good context so i think that makes sense in what she's saying because she's like if we're talking about western theater then these are like these are like yeah. the origins that they would like throw in your face in a classroom right yeah and, and that totally makes sense to grow totally um, this other person named downing class also great name. name downing downing class jane Whoa. austen character jane yeah. austen they say western theater is rife with works in which nature plays a significant role and that may be true um and i think that that's something that i've seen more mm-hmm. um more and more unexpectedly, I guess. Like I, like it's hard for me to go see Shakespeare, but I I notice that when I go see Shakespeare now, they do center nature in a lot, in a lot more of a way than I think I would have seen. Yeah. When I was younger, maybe that's just because I recognize it myself as a character that yeah. I see every day in my life, mm-hmm. and I'm like projecting that onto the production, but also like who knows so um it's making me want to info dump about elizabethan <laughs> beliefs about the environment which is a different thing so i won't that's okay this is an info dump podcast it literally that's what we call it but um i think like one example is midsummer's night's dream also i'm so sorry if you can hear the dog barking 
Um, she's a podcaster too. She's she's got something to say about <laughs> theater. Um, yeah, <laughs> theater and ecology <laughs> about Western theater. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I mean, obviously, I haven't seen a lot, but I saw your production of Midsummer's Night's Dream, and I feel like that's one where like literally there's like barely any human actor human characters yeah. in the story, um, and. Yeah, I'm wondering if you have just a couple other examples where, like, you feel like um, non-human actors are, like, centered, like, their voice is centered in the story. Yeah, like, non-human bodies or non-human, like, thoughts and voices? Characters. Okay. Like, someone who, like, if you were cast as that character and it's, like, yeah. plant one or something, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean... There's this genre of theater called departures from realism. And uh -huh. the thing about this is, is like, it is so queer. Um, okay. Like, there's a joke and it is stereotypical, but it's also like, you know, where, and I'm in it too, I'm queer and I love writing departures from realism, where suddenly like the lights snap and we're in a different world and we need to think about ourselves in a non-human way mm, okay. um there was in our departures from realism class like two people as two cat clones and they did theater as two cats that were cloned of each other okay um <laughs> that's non-human in a way um everybody Brandon sounds Jacob like an, uh, just a hallucination i've had <laughs> that's kind of what departures are departures from realism <laughs> yeah like, i mean it's literally on too much caffeine <laughs> um jose rivera writes a lot of departures from realism and a lot of his stories center like angels um marisol is a show where um a guardian angel comes down and speaks to the main character marisol mm -hmm. and is like hey the angels are going to war against god and i care about you so much that i'm telling you right now that the world is about to go crazy with environmental damage like water turns mm -hmm. to salt and apples turn to salt also and like people get pregnant by like sneezing like oh lord it's crazy that does sound like a nightmare yeah it's it's a <laughs> it's a harsh show um and also like cloud tectonics by jose rivera um okay cool yeah so i'm interested in like why why it's a departure from realism realism does traditionally mean you're looking at people in a proscenium theater which means that you're straight on audience on one side yeah it's like a picture frame of, okay of the okay people, and you're looking at them living as they would but realism doesn't actually that's called naturalism if you feel like you're watching people so realism in a way is shows from like either contemporary times or the 50s where people have everyday conflicts and they have to be like middle or upper upper middle middle class yeah interesting. you're right though that we do depart because departures feel more natural to mm -hmm. me we don't experience right. the world. Don't you feel more at home whenever you're yeah. talking about those things that are outside of, like, whatever binary realisms mm -hmm. we're trying to recreate? That's not real for me. No, ex exactly. Tennessee Williams is not real for me. I'm exactly. sorry. Exactly. And that's like, what we talk about on this podcast, about yeah. how, you know, okay. we feel more at home in, in, other, in other systems. Yeah. So... Lovely. Yeah, interesting. Lovely. Um, <laughs> I also wanted to say, like, I think that here's a tangent that there might be problems of like anthropomorphism, like um, 
giving a human voice to animals and mm. other non-human actors and what that might do to like the audience's perception of those actors you know um that's that's a anthropomorphism is a huge topic in uh like environmental justice and really? talking about um yeah the way that people perceive animals, animals and the way that we like project our human we personify them. we personify them in a way that doesn't isn't true to their existence you know wow. they should have innate value yeah. outside of the way that they're perceived by humans yeah so like yeah i don't know that's a mm -hmm. whole episode and honestly i don't want to step on ashton's toes on this one because ashton talks about are anthropomorphism in, in a way that is just like so magical and oh. they are fluent in the anthropomorphism discourse so I i'm gonna save this that. for them i know okay. i wish they were here okay. um but yeah so i think that's just a larger conversation about like changing who you're centering in yeah in these conversations um and so well, yeah more on that in a future episode <laughs> i know i want to talk some like western and by western i mean like right now american realism is so about this like almost capitalist like everything in the show needs to serve the purpose of the show it must mm -hmm. all be for the intention of a productive meaning yeah that's not what people in other countries are doing, but it is what our pedagogy mm. in America is. Currently. Okay, pedagogy. Pedagogy. Um, <laughs> just wanted to put that out there. Like yeah. that's what I just learned like yeah. this year. Um, that's a capitalist mindset, and to also use animals as like a because if it's in the play, it has to be pro like propelling the theme. It has to be moving the scene. It has to be doing all these things instead yeah. of just existing for the sake of existing. Right. I just yeah. realized that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the intersections. The intersection. <laughs> um, so yeah, Downing Kless, oh, I love that name, um, argues that there we can have more like innovative interpretations of um of Western theater that um that centers ecology. Mm -hmm. And I, I really do think that's something that's happening, like the rewriting of things and like mm -hmm. the re- perceiving of like old stories yeah but i i wanted to ask you about this because like i i have a lot of trouble watching like older shows even if they are rewritten and like reinterpreted and uh i'm just wondering like like to you what's the point of retelling stories instead of just like making up new ones <laughs> um i think the point of retelling old stories is that there's always, like, a bit of truth in mm -hmm. any type of theater. Like, at that moment, theater is temporary, right? It always is. It has to be. Um, even Phantom of the Opera closes, <laughs> as yeah. we've learned. Um, and so Rip. we're kind of, it's the opposite of a time capsule in that way. It is like a, a now, like an exaltation of mm -hmm. the now. Um, and so I think when we retell stories or adapt them, revive them, it's like an, an exaltation of what was happening then and maybe how it parallels now. Maybe we need to remember that exaltation. Maybe we need to find that exaltation in ourselves right now. Yeah. Um, maybe it makes us like feel something we never did before. Like we keep, we always learn <laughs> Oedipus Rex, Oedipus the King, Oedipus at Colonna's, like that whole thing. 
Um, I don't know what that is. What is that? Oh, he's the um, <laughs> he's the Greek guy who stabbed his own eyes out after he killed his father. Period. And his mom. Oedipus complex. Okay. Yeah. But we keep doing it because the debate is always like, was it fate or did he freely do that? Like, did the gods mess with him and do humans have free will? And oh, that's God. something that we will always ask ourselves. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's kind of nice that like, sophocles way back when someone whom i have little in common with was thinking that same thing sophocles that's a bad name really you think so esophocles sophocles it sounds like esophagus it kind of sounds like an std it does (laughs) i just realized that pk you have esophocles (laughs) no please Lord, literally, Oedipus had a case of the Sophocles, <laughs> and he died for it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's always we like to yeah. remember other humans. Yeah, and I think there's so much like so much value in seeing something that's been transformed for an audience um, mm-hmm. of today. And yes, like I think that that's something that to have conversation <sighs> with the past, yeah, with ourselves, yeah. Because, like, when Incredible. I when I would see, like, your productions in high school, especially if they were, like, Yeesh. old old-timey. We don't got to bring those up. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be like, okay, I feel like I am being forced to put myself in a position to watch this that I have no context and it's not really clicking with, like, what I care about today. Yeah. But some of them uh some of the interpretations I've seen from, like, your college years are are things that, like, I don't know. I can just connect with it much more, even if mm-hmm. it's using like language that I don't understand. And that's not and, and that's because the performance is outside of the language itself. It's like more of yeah. an experience of the expressions and the way mm-hmm. that the actors are interpreting the mood of the scene and, and not just like the words, because I, I can't understand a word they're saying. Yeah. Like I could listen to it and I could watch that without any sound and it would be the exact same experience because I genuinely don't know what they're saying, but I I know what they're saying because of the way that they're acting and like their tone and, and I think that's really cool. And it is like the art of actual communication. Yeah. Like it is through the voice, through the body, through connections with other people. Right. You're really... Hit, hit it on thank hit, you hit the nail on the head hit there the we go nail. Hit the I, we're nail. hammering over here we are hammering <laughs> um <laughs> well cool yeah be learning so the main article i read which i loved which was a little old but like it was still good it was called um greening the theater taking mm-hmm. eco-criticism from page to stage that's such an academic name, but like I love. It's by this uh, this girlie named Teresa May, not that Teresa May, and she argues that imagination through theater is an ecological force. Mm-hmm. And I have a lovely quote, and it's long, but I'm gonna do my best to like mm-hmm. read it well. She says, "Representation and its many manifestations as stories, celebrations, and patterns of signification." is one of the ways that people participate in their material and ecological condition. Theater functions as a field of exchange where stories take flight, moving between the permeable spheres of self and community, then out into the terrain of lived experiences. And so she's saying like theater is the way that we 
interpret our world Mm -hmm. and it's the way that we imagine our future Mm -hmm. and which is basically what you said at the beginning of this you're literally said it better (laughs) you you and (laughs) Teresa Teresa May (laughs) Miss May um and so I wanted to talk about radical imagination because we talk a lot about climate joy on this podcast um as something that we're trying to just exist in climate joy exist in queer joy find those intersections and I think a lot of the times we talk about those things and people are like this is not radical enough you know, you are because you're experiencing joy in a time of crisis that um, it's not valid and we need to be more urgent and we need to be talking about things, doing more actionable things mm-hmm. than like experiencing joy. But to me, like allowing yourself to like experience joy and find joy, whether that be queer joy, climate joy, whatever else kind of joy you are finding that's the most radically thing you can do because mm-hmm. you know like the system wants you to be sad <laughs> and and I don't want to be sad you know I want to live out my life in in the way yeah. that I want to and and I think doing that is a source of rebellion so I agree um radical imagination Um, is the way that imagination plays a huge role in the climate justice movement and in any movement. Mm. I mean, we wouldn't be able to live out women's suffrage or like the civil rights movement without the ability to imagine that that equality exists, you know, like, and so we have to be able to do the same for climate justice and um, climate equality and we're going to talk about that a lot more in our solar punk episode, which is like the finale of this season, which I'm really excited for. But who knows when that's going to happen? Um, <laughs> but yeah, solar punk love. That's like so excited. Yeah. So um, excited. So I have this quote from Climate Culture. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's climateculture.earth. I'll link it down below. But this is on their landing page. Um, they say, By using creative thinking, we can break free from our existing systems and envision new pathways for action. Radical imagination can inspire collective action and help us to imagine and create a more sustainable and just world. And so in this way, I feel like theater is this way of world making and imagining. Mm -hmm. And um, especially when it comes to like imagining worlds where we live in harmony with each other and with nature. Mm -hmm. And I'd just love to see more of that. Um, And I do see it, but I feel like I'm always reaching for it, you know, because that's an understanding that I have already. Um, And yeah, I don't know. Do you have any reactions to what I just said? (laughs) Like how is is dramaturgy um, kind of changing that world, do you Mm -hmm. think? Like how, how does it have the potential to bring more Um, of that conversation into the imagination yeah I mean dramaturgs are just people who have their profession as trying to figure out how to get people to understand each other the most yeah how do we get the director's ideas to be understandable in the audience how do we get like the audience's expectations to be understandable for the actors how do like it is a not a compromise, but like a harmony of all of those mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. I have so many other things that I want to go off of, but <laughs> yeah, I think it is that practice of communication and understanding and theater culture in general is so conducive towards that. Mm-hmm. Like when a company, 
puts up a play they do it together and then they strike together like yeah. they come together they grieve they celebrate yeah and then like everyone in the company tears down the set like recycles the scripts um yeah it, and you never leave like a, a show with it not fully cleaned up and everyone put together yeah it's the practice of like setting boundaries with each other compromising with each other so i think dramaturg's part in building that world is being passionately one of the group that practices it yeah like i do think being everyone part of that yeah. systemic it yeah it when you say that it. it 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 seems like it's kind of like a repeatable like micro practice of like existing as a system that's a that was a lot of like that was good vocab strange words <laughs> but i'm thinking about adrian marie brown and her book about systems change yeah. and how like when we start to see ourselves as part of a larger system and we start to recognize like the synergy of everything, whether that be like ants or like mm -hmm. the changing of the seasons or anything like that. You can start seeing that in your human systems as well and try to reflect it in a way that is as like empathetic. And and, and I think that as just like a practice and as a community is very reflective of mm -hmm the um the joy that we're trying to experience together and theater has always been radical for that yeah reason. like it's always been oh my gosh who are these people who are getting together like consistently it, you know when like governments want to ban getting together right. that's bad and then like in elizabethan england not just keep bringing her up um <laughs> but <laughs> Ugh, like not her poets playwrights <laughs> actors they are seen as dangerous they are mm -hmm. subversive they are like playing playing a character is powerful and there are some theater making um philosophies where you are the character for a brief yeah. moment you embody all the things that are that character mm -hmm. and then you release it but you are not yourself in that moment. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking like method acting. I'm talking like non-Western yeah. uh, theories of acting. But it's always been subversive because of its ability to. Right. I just think if everyone did theater, like <laughs> I really do think if there was like on the weekends, everyone goes to their little Dude, theater practice. I could not do that. I'm so I sorry. Know. It's okay. It's hard for me. It is. I just can't do it. I think everyone does their little version of theater though. Yeah. Everyone has theirs. And we're about to get into it. And we're about aren't to get we? Into it. I set up that little Yeah, little what segue. a good intro. You segued so good. Oh, You're such you. a pod segwayer. Oh um God. yeah. So we're gonna take a little break. Um and then we're gonna get into gender as a performance and Oof. the performance of gender in theater. Literally me. And kind of <laughs> <laughs> literally all you do. <laughs> perform gender in life, perform gender in theater. <laughs> I love it. It's my hobby. Okay, yeah. Break time. Bye. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, sorry for the jump scare. Are you enjoying this episode? Well, it's brought to you by our Patreon. We are a fully independent, self-funding podcast, and we wouldn't be able to make any of it without our awesome Earthlings over on Patreon. We currently have two tiers that you can join. For just $1 a month, you'll unlock bonus and video episodes, and for $5, you can get both of those things, as well as early releases and access to the community Discord. It's a really fun place to be. You can join using the link in the description or going to patreon.com slash outonearthpod. We understand that not everyone can donate, but if you wouldn't mind rating our show wherever you're listening and giving us a follow, that helps us out so much. Okay, that's it. Let's get back to the show. All right. Hi, everyone. We are back and our cat is back as well. He was um, he was under the chair, but I wish he would look at the camera. Look at the camera. Look at the camera. Nah, we're no. just too interesting. He's subversive. Yeah. Rebel. <laughs> but he's doing a really great job of sitting there. My cat loves this heating pad. Um, he just loves to sit on it and get all hot. Even when it's like 90 degrees outside, he wants to sit on the heating pad. I get that. I yeah. want soup when it's 90 degrees. I think it's just his like inner lion maybe oh, that right. just wants to be like <laughs> wants to be hot all the time oh, oh he's so cute oh, good job. Good job. oh. oh. i wish ashton down. was here i know i wish ashton so much they would love that they would love that hi ashton i know you're listening so i love you have a cat yes oh, ashton good. has a cat named sage sage is the That's loveliest little metrosexual we love sage what <laughs> um Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about the queerness of theater. Super excited for this. Um, I usually don't. Um, I usually let Ashton take like the queer theory stuff. So I'm, I'm hoping that I make you proud, Ashton. <laughs> Love you, Ashton. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're going to talk about the intersections between stage performance and the performance of gender roles. Um, okay. Yeah. So... <sighs> I don't know. I, I wanted to ask you just like, wh- how do you feel about that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just generally. I mean, I know that I haven't gotten into performance studies much, but performance studies and theater studies are like very different things. Mm-hmm. Performance studies is all about like the sociological ways that we perform for each other yeah. and what that means. Um I think there's a lot of intersection. I mean, I know for me personally, like theater has been very helpful in figuring mm-hmm. out how I present myself and and being, you know, authentic in that and like fearless in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think theater is also powerful in that you can see the way that other people see the possibilities of how other people present themselves. Yeah. Um, you get to live it. that. Yeah. Like you said, like when you are performing, you are living that experience mm-hmm. and you're like living someone else's life. Yeah. And if you can, you know, experiment, I guess, with yeah. like all of these different gender identities um, all through and through, like that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why um, so many queer people gravitate towards theater 
Um, and like, I know it's a stereotype, but it's, there's not, there's one dramaturg in my program who does not have they somewhere in their pronouns. <laughs> I am dead. Like, yeah, I, that's crazy. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living, winning. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Judith Butler. If you don't know who Judith Butler is, um, they are a, literally, they, they are kind of the Western scholar that, um, posited gender as something that exists like outside of the body um yeah outside of biology um which is like super cool and important and they basically break down the act of performing both um your your gender in your daily life like gender is something that you perform Mm -hmm. it's not something that you can like recognize in like your cellular structure you know like you you can't find gender you can find sex but that even that is something that is blurred um yeah barely definable (laughs) right right (laughs) um and I I also want to let Ashton tackle most of this later because they again can just speak on this in a way that's like so beautiful but basically um theater creates kind of a unique space where gender can be criticized altered and changed and it's like generally socially acceptable even in like the most conservative places to kind of like bend the lines between gender and like let actors interpret and I don't know perceive characters that ultimately don't align with like the gender performance that they they do in daily life yeah there's something also about like people perceive especially the word performance as something that's inherently false Mm. but I think especially in theater and especially in presentations of identity it's not false but just like an externalization of a truth that that exists further Mm. in or somewhere like theater is always an externalization or some sort of universal truth moral meaning taking form so when we like bend gender rules in in casting it's always just like well (laughs) we just need like someone to embody mostly the values or principles or meaning of this character right and we're kind of learning slowly as an american society that (laughs) you know the values and principles of a person aren't always defined by their (laughs) their outward expression of gender exactly Yeah. yeah, and I'm interested in, like, what those conversations are like behind the scenes in casting mm-hmm. rooms, like, when you have somebody who comes in and, like, and is working towards a role that, like, doesn't align with whatever the casting team perceives as, like, their gender, like, I don't know, what is that Ooh. conversation like, like, wait, like, working towards what kind of role? Like, if someone who, like, let's say there's, like, a trans man who is going yeah. for a masculine role, the people there don't understand like the actor's gender I don't know like what yeah. is that relationship between like the casting team and like balancing the gender identity of the actor and the gender identity of the performance does hmm. that make sense yeah um I'll say right now that it's messy yeah. like uh at least from where I'm experiencing it in like academic theater it mm. may be a bit like better in some parts of like the industry with a capital I um I know especially in academic theater there's a lot of reckoning with like traditional pedagogy of what we like use to cast the rubric of casting Mm -hmm. um yeah the rubric of casting like 
yeah. what's in that rubric you know like does it cha- i guess it changes per, like from yeah. show to show but like in general is there a lot of like i'm just wondering what that conversation is like yeah it's so messy and a lot <laughs> of times people um mess up or like make other people feel uncomfortable or behind the scenes a lot of you know we talked about american realism and sort of the american capitalist like the story each part of the story must serve this thing yeah um so i think a lot of traditional casting rubrics come from that yeah what is this person's identity implicitly or explicitly serving to the story Mm -hmm. what are they giving the story what do they have right to give Um, And I think as we slowly sort of turn away from the perspective of that sort of storytelling, um, which is very uh, Aristotle, very Sophocles, that each, like the domino effect of stories where each thing moves the story forward, Mm -hmm. came from Aristotle's poetics. So as we move away from that perspective, I think it's going to become more about collaboration. Okay. Um, Like I was recently in a show and... The character had no assigned gender that's happening more and more where playwrights are opening themselves up to like, Mm. I don't know, the character values honesty and integrity and is a good liar when they need to be. Yeah. Whoever can do that. And I'm I want to see what they can do. Right. Like when. American realism happened, Chekhov, Stanislavski, when they were making all, all of these discoveries, actors were more about like. How can we puppet the actor (laughs) to make them do our story? Because we are the smart men who wrote it. Mm -hmm. I think it's turning more into collaboration. So behind behind the scenes, the rubric is more like, hopefully. Here's this idea of a person. Yeah. Yeah. And who's going to give us the most interesting story? Not Maybe not give the most interesting story, but who's going to be fun to work with? And who is like Mm. compelling me? Who is... Yeah. Yeah. So it's giving me the energy that I am giving into this production mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And there's a lot of conversations about like tokenization. Yeah. You know, especially when a script like specifies a specific gender, like Mm -hmm. this uh, character needs to be played by a trans man. And it's like, oh, yeah. Interesting. um, And we never want to tokenize. Right. Marginalized people are not defined by the fact that they are marginalized they are not marginal yeah yeah (laughs) you know um so that's something that we don't want is to be like this is this character should be played by a trans man well we do want we do want the playwright is like yes they should be a trans man and we probably do want a trans man to play right person because representation is everything yeah and also like if you're genderqueer the roles for you in Mm -hmm. the industry are somewhat more limited than they are for cis people um that's changing quickly, uh, but I think it also comes down to the meaning of the story. Yeah. Like, so, like, I'm trying to think, like, like traditionally, I guess it's like, okay, if we, or not even traditionally, just like on the most surface level, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we need, we need a man to play this role. What does that even mean? Yeah. Like, do we need, does that mean, I'm sorry, Banjo is like <laughs> scraping out the door. Do you mind opening the door? Here, I'll go. I'm going to move the mic real quick. <laughs> okay. I'm saving my thought. Is it, Are you going to be good? What a good boy. Here, give him a little scratch on his butt. Yeah. Okay, now we have our other cat. This is Kazooie, everybody. <laughs> Orange cat. Orange cat. Orange cat. Orange cat. <laughs> Orange cat. Lay down, bud. Boy. Can you lay down? 
Oh, he's a star. Look at him. He's a star. He's like looking at the camera and stuff. <laughs> what a good boy. Okay, there we go. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> your, your bookmarked thought. <laughs> yeah. So if you have like a a casting call and it's like, okay, we need a man. Like, I feel like just that having to go into that audition and like try to think about what that means is not descriptive enough and does not give enough like because people aren't defined it doesn't by get, that anymore. It doesn't no, it doesn't get enough background for who the character actually is mm-hmm. because you're making so many assumptions about an identity that doesn't exist. Like yeah. it's it's like being like, okay, well, I guess that means that I have to have a deeper voice. I guess that means that I can't have breasts. I guess that means like all of these like mm-hmm. very essentialist ideas all wrapped up into this one um identifier that doesn't help the character at all because then you have all these people interpreting that identifier in different ways yeah and it doesn't help the production it's inefficient just like it's it's as a logical thing (laughs) because you have to sort through so many things instead of getting to the core of what you want exactly um and i feel like that just because of like how theater has the power to identify like characteristics Mm-hmm. is calling into question all of those things at the exact same time and yeah. so being in that space you are forced to kind of reckon with those ideas <laughs> and and battle with them and learn with them with the entire community like everybody's yeah. having to try to interpret this role <laughs> and I think that's really cool it is really cool I mean my sophomore year I kind of had a crisis about it with like acting because as one does yeah because I was only <laughs> getting assigned sophomore year of like theater school you start getting into classical work so okay. you're like you're either a woman and you have to learn how to stand like a woman or you're a man and you're a fast talker and you're mm. chauvinist <laughs> you yeah know? yeah um and I kept coming up to my teacher crying and I was like, I, I don't know how to be a man and I don't know how to be a woman and I feel like I'm not acting well. Mm. And finally, when it was just like, I'm just going to be neither. Like, if you cast a non-binary person, they're going to bring their natural self to the role. Yeah. And it made me better. Yeah. <laughs> I was a better actor. Yeah. When, when I was not pretending to be something else. And so I just wonder how much freer and how much more organic our, our performances, mm-hmm. our, our living could be if we weren't trying to see yeah. which genres of self yeah. we need to put ourselves into. You're putting um, yourself into a box in art. Yeah. And that's, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I will say like identities when it's like a story about that identity. Mm-hmm. Probably should be played by that identity. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, but I think there is room to explore always. Okay. So back to like gender as a performance, because I'm using drama and theater as kind of like a way to introduce this idea of gender as a performance, because that's Beautiful. such a difficult thing to be able to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think theater is a way to be like, see, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a way to be like, hey, <laughs> like, look at here. Yeah. Because if you're, if you have, it's way easier to be like okay I'm an actor and I'm playing this role Mm -hmm. and if you can imagine yourself as like okay I'm going to play this role of this other gender then you can kind of see how that might be like super uncomfortable for somebody who is being forced to play that role all the time you know or or just being able to conceptualize gender as a role and not something that you are born you know into um I guess you are born into it but that's an unfortunate 
externality yeah. of the world we live in, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I and I, I don't know. Do you feel like that's fair? Like, I, I feel like and that's also why people in theater have a really firm understanding of gender and like how it how it evolves and changes and like how mm-hmm. to play with it and how to have fun with it in a way that's like joyful instead of like um, something you're running away from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an aspect of each, it's an aspect of our world. And uh-huh. so the Stanislavski uh, theories, uh, the first part is like given circumstances. So what are the things of your world that you notice and that inform it and that push mm-hmm. upon your characters and make them act a certain way? And gender is just a given circumstance. Yeah. They don't teach it as a given circumstance, but to me and to the, like, queer theater makers and dramaturgs I think a lot of us are like yeah a given circumstance is a gender yeah. and that gender depending on what epic of time of, of what period um will have certain things that come with it and yeah. so just externalizing it like that like it's a, it's a tool it's right something you put on and take off always yes that's part of the pedagogy and I, I wish that um in my experience in my academic institution um it, like the there's not a lot of exploration encouraged for like cis actors mm-hmm. but like mm. me like I was always this scene I'll play a man this scene I'll play a woman this scene I'm a tree <laughs> like, yeah. you know but it's not encouraged that way for right. cis actors mm. um I mean they the system harms everyone yeah. yeah and I think they'd have so much fun like right it and I think it like informs your humanity right you know if I you think that goes see. for just like heteronormativity in general yeah. in society and just the way that like if you benefit from the patriarchy you also lose because yeah. you lose that exploration you lose that opportunity mm-hmm. to um to kind of blur the lines and find what is authentic to you mm-hmm. yeah ballroom dancing class today (laughs) yeah for real we don't need to talk about it sorry um so yeah i hope that that kind of helps explain gender i guess explain Uh, gender but judith butler really makes a distinction that i want to make sure that i highlight between um gender as a performance in theatrical context and gender as a performance in non-theatrical context Mm -hmm. because while it serves as a really good metaphor um we also should not we we also really need to make sure that we distinguish the two because these social contexts behind it really are different you know like yeah there's limitations to theater versus real life obviously so while theater is like a great place to explore these concepts living them out in your real life is theater's ephemeral right (laughs) it's like like realistically like in america it's difficult to explore these yes freely um it's difficult to explore your gender expressions freely um and so judith butler gives the uh the example of like a trans person on a stage versus a trans person on the bus on the stage they are given the validation of expressing a gender in a way that is like it's validated by the audience right the audience believes it the audience sees Mm -hmm. it the audience knows that that's real you know and they're they're giving that authenticity to the performer but when the performance is something that's happening on the bus it's like 
dangerous or something that is like calling into question whatever essentialist norms are in existence right now Mm -hmm. and um butler says that it's like more punitive in uh in regulatory social conventions like you can be punished for expressing your gender in daily life whereas in theater it's it's more accepted so i think that that says a lot about theater as a place to explore Mm -hmm. and also just like that contradiction of you know like who's the audience you know who goes who goes to the most theater productions at the civic center you know it's like mm-hmm. rich white people yeah. who go and the then yeah, yeah and then they vote for republicans mm-hmm. and so it's like they're existing and participating in the system that may be able to you know help them uncover gender yeah what do you think of that contradiction do you see it between like daily life performances of gender and performance on stage yeah like for some of the characters that you've embodied like if you lived those characters performances out in daily life like how would it be perceived you know I think theater is valuable in that regard because it is a place to practice and to live out it's hard for you because you literally live and breathe theater I do yeah (laughs) and so I think that's why you're just like so authentic in yourself because you exist in a space that like affirms you Mm -hmm. all the time and so it must be when I travel to other places and there's no theater people around (laughs) yeah like it must be so strange you must feel so estranged when you get out of that space and there isn't that like mutual understanding of like the performance you do in daily life yeah I mean it feels like a (laughs) we talked earlier feels like I'm in a different show than they are like I'm in a different <laughs> genre. Yeah. Like, what are you watching? What are you yeah. experiencing when you call me, ma'am? Because I, right, I'm not experiencing it. It is a dissonance. Um, mm, that's good. <laughs> dissonance. One last quote from Judith Butler. Love. They say gender reality is performative, which means quite simply that it is real only to the extent that it is performed. All yeah. performances of gender are real, whether that be like your gender expression as a woman if you're existing within the binary or outside of that binary but Judith Butler says you know if you are performing a gender then that gender is real basically yeah and so you know whether that be on stage or in real life like we just get let people just fucking perform however they want you know like (laughs) like it's and the way we define real and not real yeah. in our life is so binary already. Right. Um, but just the fact that, like, we can define, like, feminine gender as, like, a as gender. A yeah, yeah. Like, being able to say that we have gender, you have to also be able to recognize the existence of not having a gender because you're yeah. recognizing existence. If there's a thing that exists, there's a thing that does not exist. <laughs> right. Like, it's yeah. literally matter and anti. That's not. not <laughs> I don't um, know. I'm trying my hardest with Judith Butler, you guys. I think I need to do some more work on this, but. And Ashton I really wish Ashton was here. <laughs> well, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of the real and not real because for me, like gender and conceptions of it, for me as a non binary person, it's so important to me. It's also not important at all. Right. It's so important in the real world. It has real consequences. Right. Um, And it also maybe perhaps doesn't exist, but it exists very truly. Yeah. For me and for many other people. Yeah. So 
living in the dissonance of that and then living in the dissonance of like who you are mm-hmm. and then how people perceive you yeah it's a crazy yeah thing there's to just do. so much to there's juggle so much. yeah yeah um Huh. I don't have like a solution for that. <laughs> no, I'm not but asking that's, you that's to have a little, solution. Here's my for solution that. to gender. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have a solution to that either. But no. you know what we're trying to do on this podcast is explore ways that kind of like throw up these ideas and like yeah. make you really like question it and think about it and like I think I don't know. Just learning about gender through this lens is like really has really helped me to understand it for others and for myself as something that we have to just be able to affirm gender for people however they feel is like special and important and magical to them yeah because we're all literally performing all the time yeah and that's so fucking hard so like literally just let people perform however they want or perform not at all you know like it's just I don't know. And I think, like, theater and psychology have so much overlap that they're, like, nearly a perfect circle. And I think in that way, there's a lot of, like, they both have the same uh, tenets of, like, does it harm? One. If no, then continue. And, like, is it working? Right. If yes, then continue. It's that easy. Like, it it (laughs) It does not have have to to be, be hard. It doesn't have to be, is it good? Is it morally right? Is it, you know... um, Yes, and. Yes, and. Yes, and. We need to yes, and gender. Like, I, (laughs) (laughs) there's so many other things. And I think, like, I don't know, living in the uncertainty of my own gender dissonance Mm -hmm. is really comforting. I don't know. I don't need an answer. Exactly. I don't need a a label for it. Mm -hmm. I don't need any of that. Because I'm just playing. We're just playing around. Yeah. I literally am a little guy who exists. I drink my little lattes and then I go <laughs> home. Like it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Doesn't need to be deeper. Absolutely. For me. For you. But it can be deeper. And then sometimes I get up in the morning and I'm like, it's deeper than this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's all of that. That's life. I had another point, but it's gone. So please continue. I wanted to briefly talk about like the ways that this is being challenged, like the ability for people to explore gender through theater is being challenged. Mm -hmm. And just recently this week we had um, in good old Sherman, Texas, which is only just like a few hours from here, which is crazy. Um, But we had a uh, we had a trans drama student named Max Hightower who was given the lead role of um, who's the lead role in Oklahoma. Is it Curly? Curly. Good old Curly. Curly the cowboy. Oh my god. Um, we were both. I was in a performance of Oklahoma. Were you? I watched it and I loved okay. it. Okay, I was like, I was a big fan. Girl number three. Jesus. Yeah. Um, super fun. Super fun <laughs> for the Asian Americans in rural Oklahoma. <laughs> Anyways, that was my one and only theater performance um, in Oklahoma. You killed. But thank you so much. But anyways, this school, um, they said that students they they instated this policy after max was given the lead role that um students must play characters in accordance with their assigned gender at birth which is fucking crazy crazy and so he lost the lead role which is insane because like he had the lead role like first of all that's like so fucking hard to get and like it means you were good that means you were good that means you were good and so i don't know that's just so insane and also just like a part of like the 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 amount of like 
trans exclusionary policies that are happening right now through Oklahoma, Texas, through the entire yeah. South, through the entire country, honestly. And um, yeah. I don't know. This is a this was something that I don't know. It just really struck a chord with me. I was like, fuck, in a kid's school at a, like a drama production, like how messed up you have to be. But um, basically all the parents and students like came to the Sherman School Board meeting for like a full protest on the policy. They all like spoke out. You can watch all of it. It's really powerful and cool. And the students are like great. Like they are saying the right things. And basically they got enough like media coverage and um, I don't know, people talking that yesterday, which when this comes out, it'll be a few days ago. But on Friday, um, the school district apologized and reversed the decision to exclude transgender students from being cast in Oklahoma. But they did it by replacing the production with a more age-appropriate version of the show that ended up cutting his solo. And I'm like, how do you how do you cut Curly? <laughs> I don't understand what they're doing. Did they cut his solo or his character? They they cut both. He they cut both. So I'm like, what is Oklahoma without Curly? It's a love story. He's literally the like what? Maybe I don't know enough about like the new age-appropriate version, but I'm like, what I is that? Is it just either. like a bunch of kids like running around a field? Is it just the dance scene? Is like, it? Like <laughs> I don't know. But part of Oklahoma is like the conflict and the gender politics of like Curly and his love interest. What's her name? Oh, yeah, God, I forgot. I hate the um, idea of like simplifying that story. It's just crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Also, like, gender essentialism in theater is great. Like, yeah. you're going to tell Speak me that, like, a girl can't play Lumiere the candle? Like, <laughs> I don't, like, I know that's fucking crazy. Like, Lumiere is, like, not a man. Lumiere is not, like, a bastion of masculinity. But no. under that rule, like, what are we yeah. talking about? You telling me, like... I have to play a teapot. I cannot be a clock. <laughs> like in, in my school's production of that, a girl played the clock, but that would be outlawed. Oh, and that I was suppose. so controversial. That was so subversive. Wouldn't that be insane if the school was like, you can't play the clock because the clock is a man? <laughs> That's so crazy to me. It's just like, I don't know why we're focused. Like, who on cares? That. Who like, cares? A place to play play yeah understand and that's always been very i mean in a capitalist society having room to play is is always rare yeah but it's also like i just wonder are they not going to teach like shakespeare where like all all the characters were played by men and the men played women right and they were fully just women like that, that was, was shakespeare <laughs> like that women was... weren't allowed to act in shakespeare right no, yeah no, they were not and like so they were all played by like teenage boys right yeah yeah which is mm. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's the same like... <laughs> sorry it is or like huge. that is pretty or i never thought about it like yeah, that before. before their voices dropped and they were like making out and stuff I know and like makeup and dresses and it's like I think in Roman theater they didn't even care about the voices because they just had like masks so it's always been like people for the point of the story (laughs) so it's so odd that we're just pressed about this especially in theater it's speaking to something yeah deeper totally we're like yeah I don't know just let people be let people (laughs) fucking be let people be let people be curly I would love to play Curly. Curly is, like, sexy. You would be lucky to play Curly. Anyone would be lucky to, like, play Curly. He's just, like, a little hero, and he's funny. And, you know, Oklahoma's 
sexist because yeah it's oklahoma (laughs) right it's roger and hammerstein uh but uh, that makes me so sad that he had to yeah but the lead oh my god you know max is getting into like the best theater program ever after this he better be going to julia oh my god be going to (laughs) max we love you you're a superstar and you're going places i bet you're really good if you got the lead especially in like a texas school which i hear are huge yeah and so. also, you have a really great dad. I saw your dad on. Not that Max is even watching, but I saw I saw Max. Max's dad on the on the news, and he was like in his car on the fucking news, being like, "This is ridiculous. Like, my son deserves this role. Like, my son worked so hard." And it's like a dad that you wouldn't expect to be like such a firm ally, but this wow. dad was like out here, like fucking advocating for this child, and I'm here so for happy. it. Yes, yeah. In Sherman, Texas. That's scary. Sherman, Texas. Oh, that's so close. Yeah. But also the fact that people in town were like, stop. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? It's just the stuff that we waste our energy on is insane. Like, there's so many other things besides, like, bullying a kid in Sherman, Right? Like, why else would they put – why else would they put that policy in its place right after he got the role? You know, like, why wouldn't they do that – like they weren't thinking about this before that happened. No. They only put that policy. If a girl in space. played, if a girl played Lumiere, they would not be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh, it's just like there's some like moral something tied to each of our conceptions to gender, and it's so. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what it do doesn't make any sense. People are full. People are for full people. Like I. Just let people Period. embody everything that they <laughs> people are for people. <laughs> that was a little hard on my <laughs> lisp, but you know, let yeah. people embody all that they want to embody. Exactly. The range of humanity. Who fucking cares? There's so many other things to focus on. Like yeah. I hear there's new Mario Kart tracks. Yeah. Let's focus on that. that should that <laughs> we need to raise awareness about how all the mad conservatives need to just go play the Mario Kart tracks. <laughs> I'm not trying to simplify this very <laughs> complex debate, but I do think I don't know. But anyways, <sighs> anyway, um, thank you so much. <laughs> this was wonderful. This was so fun. We just got to me when the boys goss and gab at the function. I know, literally gossing and gabbing. I I I love potting and. Yeah. I love potting with Ashton, and there's a big gaping Ashton hole in my heart. Like, really tall. Ashton's size <laughs> tall in this room. Oh. But um, they'll be back. They will be back, and um, would love if you guys could send them some love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, all to of this our understudy run. Yeah. <laughs> and um, PK, what, do, what would you like to promote? Where can we find you? If, if you want people to find you, I don't know. Okay. I guess go see local theater. Right? Go see local theater. Um, and go it, validate theater that's not like the $800 Broadway theater. The best theater does not always happen on Broadway. Sometimes the best theater happens at your local high school. Sometimes the best theater happens when your neighborhood kids are doing it like out on the lawn. Right. Like support it where you can. Yeah. Um. You can find me on Instagram at PK Rates Loaves. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's, that's my Instagram. Pubbing the Loafs Instagram. Uh, I rate loaves of bread and also cat loaves and any other loaves that appear. Um, I do not take submissions. Are there, an, are there other kinds of loaves? We'll see. I have a few in mind, but I'm going to keep the people waiting. Cat loaves and bread loaves and what else? Give me one. Meat loaves. 
Oh, ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Support support local theater. Support each other. Support Take local loaves. <laughs> support local loaves. Go to a bakery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they need it. Support local coffee and loaves. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. Have a wonderful day and um I'll keep you updated on uh on the situation. But um yeah, I love you so much and welcome to the show. I know there's a lot of new ones of you and it's really exciting. Uh yeah, okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our first guest episode of Out on Earth. If you would like to send some love to Ashton, click the first link in the description to send a tip over to our cunt cushion fund on our coffee account. We both work two part-time jobs to keep the show afloat and every cent helps so much. If you liked our show, we'd love it if you could share it with a friend who might also enjoy it. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to follow and rate our show by tapping the three dots on our profile and then the little star icon listed as rate show. Just as a reminder, if you aren't following Out on Earth Pod on Instagram and TikTok, you're missing out on a ton of awesome visual guides, memes, and jokes to go along with the show. Also, if you'd like to support us on Patreon starting at just $1 a month, you'll gain access to video episodes, bonus episodes, and on our second tier, you'll also get early releases and access to the community Discord. If you have questions or concerns, feel free to email us at outonearthpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram. And be sure to take our survey in the description below to suggest episodes or let us know what we did right. Thanks again for listening. Together we can find joy out on Earth. We pay tribute to the indigenous communities whose ancestral land we are currently recording on long before the establishment of the United States. These include the Apache, Caddo, Tonkawa, and Wichita. We also hold in high regard the tribes with a historical connection to this area, such as the Comanche, Kiowa, Osage, and Quapaw. Before achieving statehood, we acknowledge that the lands surrounding Oklahoma City were originally designated to the Muscogee Creek and Seminole Nations. We recognize that this region once served as a hunting ground, cultural hub, a hub for trade, and a migration route for the Apache, Comanche, Kiowa, and Osage Nations. Today, the state of Oklahoma is home to 39 federally recognized tribal nations, a consequence of settler colonial policies aimed at assimilating and murdering indigenous peoples who have made Oklahoma their home. Out on Earth is written, produced, and edited by Cricket Kaya and Ashton Attig. Hosted by Acast. Music provided by Felizna. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.